I have this list of things to do and I'm going to get through them. The to-do list was more important than the people in my life. And I would, you know, kind of nudge my whining baby aside. You're fine. You're fine. Let mommy finish this really quick. And the amount of times that I would say really quick with my children Mm -hmm. was kind of shocking a little bit. And so I just kind of started questioning, okay, these are really good things that I'm doing, but if I'm rushing through them and I'm not present in them and I'm doing them for the product, for the thing that I get at the end of it. And then I look down at my children who I've barely looked in the eyes all day, yet they've got homemade bread. And I read these beautiful library books to them because I wanted to read library books. You know, it was kind of like I was going through the motions of these are all of these wonderful, slow things I want to fill my life with, but I'm going through them as though it's a checklist. It's a productivity type thing. It was the posture of my heart rather than what I was actually doing. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. In this episode, I delve into the topic of slow and simple living with my guest, Jillian Hankins. My conversation with Jillian truly felt like catching up with an old friend, and we spoke for over 90 minutes. So I did end up splitting this episode into two halves. In the first half, we explored the significance of slowing down, even when it's challenging to quiet our inner to-do lists. We also discussed the common tendency to claim that we live slowly while still getting swept up in the culture of busyness. The second half that will air later this week focuses on Jillian's passion to live according to nature's rhythms and seasons. To live seasonally is more than what we eat, but it reaches down into the very marrow of our days and how we move through the hours that we've been given with our families. But before we get there, I want to quickly share a minimalist resource with you this week. So this week, I want to point out Toy Trader app. This is an app to reduce waste and start trading used toys. The app stresses, stop spending money on used toys. Toy Trader offers the ability to buy and sell all your used children's items with in-app coins. The Toy Trader app makes it possible, safe, and fun to find the toys you want and trade the ones you don't. I'll be sure to link the app's website and the Instagram account in the show notes, but I also wanted to point out on the website, they have a previous owner's toy title transfer. With every toy that you trade on this app, you can print out a form that you send along with it saying your name, what you named the toy. I'm happy for you to have it because my favorite memory with this toy, and then you send it off. So I just thought that was a sweet way to kind of, as Marie Kondo says, thank the toy for its service to you and then send it off to be enjoyed in a new home. So again, this app is called Toy Trader App. And I know that parents are always asking me, how can I declutter my kids' toys? And I thought this was a fun new place to check out. Okay, again, this is the first in a two-part episode with Jillian Hankins. So let's get into it. Jillian, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. I actually, I don't know how I connected with you. Maybe someone had reposted something that you had created on Instagram and I started following along with you. So we're going to be talking today about living more seasonally, which I am a big believer. And I think that we were created to live seasonally and our bodies are in sync with the way that nature is. So before we get into the conversation, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and do you consider yourself to be a minimalist? So I am Jillian and I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is basically 
the perfect four season place to live. Um, I'm originally from Florida. My husband and I, we moved from Florida right after we got married because we wanted four seasons because we both grew up in Florida. Um, although neither of us were originally from there. Um, and so we kind of just went on a bunch of cross country road trips right after we got married and, you know, we were young and broke and had no children. So we could do that kind of a thing and pick Chattanooga to settle in. People are always like, why do you have family nearby or, and we don't, we just really loved still being in the South and having water, but also having mountains and we get winter, but it's not brutal. The summers are hot, but they're not as hot as they were in Florida. And it's also, we can travel a lot from here. Not that we've traveled because we also have three children um, who are six, four, and one. And yeah, that's kept us busy for the last few years, as you can imagine, because you also have young children, but yeah, we love it here. And, and we are kind of accidental minimalists. I think you can probably tell based on kind of our story that we're kind of questioners. And so even from a really young age, I think I just kind of questioned why Mm-hmm. why do we do the things that everyone else does? Is it just because everyone else does them? Kind of that natural progression of you graduate high school, you go to college, you get a job, you you know keep that job, you buy the house, you buy the car, you keep those for a few years, you buy a bigger house, you buy a bigger car, you know, you have the children, you have 2.3 children or however much the average is yeah. less now, but um, yeah. I've just always questioned and just always thought, okay, why? why are we doing that? And so just over, my husband and I have been um, together for almost 13 years now, married for 11. And we just at every stage have kind of questioned, I think a better word for us is just being very intentional. And we both intentionally dislike clutter. And so I think we've naturally kind of fit into that mold of minimalism, but for us, it's more of a mindset of, okay, let's only do few things or only have few things so we can really appreciate those things. And let's make sure that those are the things we actually want to fill our home and fill our time with. So in that way, I think we're minimalists for sure. I mean, I own one sweater and it's my favorite sweater and I wear it every day. So I think that's like quintessential minimalism right there, but that kind of just defines how we do everything. But then when it comes to things like books or food, I'm a hoarder. I mean, I, I could never have enough food or books in my home. And so yet all of our clothes fit in one drawer each. So it's just kind of, we've picked and and chosen what the important things are. For us, the most important thing is if it aligns with our family values. And, and we're very, very intentional about discussing that and casting that vision for our family so that in five, 10 years, we don't look up and think, whoa, life looks totally different than what we wanted it to look like. And it was all a product of these tiny little decisions we made, you know, in the midst of the chaos, when you have three kids swirling around your feet and you're making these decisions, that actually does kind of add up and not to stress ourselves out about it or assign like these huge values on these tiny little decisions, but little by little you are creating this life. And so we've just accidentally kind of fell into this minimalism just because it aligned with what our family values were overall. I'm curious to know how slow living plays a role in your life. If that was something that, again, you two were intentional about from the start of your relationship, or you've had to slow down more with children, which obviously most of us do. I will say though, I was talking about 
just the direction I want this podcast to go and how I want it to evolve. This is just a personal story for myself, but how I want this podcast to evolve and grow or kind of just reconsidering what I'm doing and what my message is, who I want to talk to. And I was telling my friend all of this. I said, I just really want to talk about slow living. And she's like, well, you don't really live slow. And I was taken aback by the answer. And she was like, you fill your days. You guys are always out. You guys are filling your calendar. And I do, I do like to be busy. I do not in that whole, like, busy as a, um, identity or I deserve a medal because I'm busy. I like to be with my friends. I'm an extrovert. However, when looking at slow and the way slow and simple, when -hmm. looking at those two terms and what they actually mean, it's like, no, I do want simple. I do want slow in our home and in our routines at home. And I don't need a lot to be happy. I don't know. I might end up cutting all this out in my personal story, but I just wonder what slow looks like and how that's looked in your life. Yeah. I think slow living is one of those things that looks different for everyone. And it's really more about the intentionality of how you're filling your days. And so I, my husband and I both are super extra or introverted, not extroverted. Okay. Um, and, and so it's, we could literally not leave the house for three days and be perfectly happy. And I think once we had children, we kind of had a more traditional setup where my husband would go to work and I'd be home with the kids. And I kind of realized that I needed a little bit more input, but it was a means of distracting myself. I noticed that I was leaving the house every day. I wanted to be at the park with a friend. I wanted to go to the grocery store, even though we didn't really need groceries. I don't know what mom takes her kids to the grocery store when they don't need groceries, like a crazy person, but it was a way for me to distract myself from how uncomfortable I felt being at home with my kids because I felt a little bit bored. I felt a little bit lonely. I felt like in a rut, kind of that feeling where you're just like, Uh, groundhog day every single day waking up. And so for me, leaving the house one day felt like, whoa, this is like really busy. I didn't have time to do the things that I wanted to do because I was rushing to get out of the house and I was rushing to get back for nap time. And then by the time they got up, it was like, all right, let's get outside and let's make dinner and then have bath time and then bedtime. And I would lay in bed at night thinking, what did I do today? I felt kind of out of breath all day, but I don't really know that I relaxed, nor did I really feel like I accomplished anything. And so for me, I kind of started, and really this started for me in 2020, because I'm the ultimate productivity person. I have a to-do list every day. I'm rushing to get through it. And it might be make sun tea, make a loaf of bread. Like it, it might be all these really beautiful, simple, slow things that you see in like Kinfolk magazine or whatever slow living thing that we've glorified this pace of life. But it was still, I have this list of things to do and I'm going to get through them. The to-do list was more important than the people in my life. And I would, you know, kind of nudge my whining baby aside. You're fine. You're fine. Let mommy finish this really quick. And the amount of times that I would say really quick with my children Mm -hmm. was kind of shocking a little bit. And so I just kind of started questioning, okay, these are really good things that I'm doing. But if I'm rushing through them and I'm not present in them and I'm doing them for the product, for the thing that I get at the end of it, and then I look down at my children who I've barely looked in the eyes all day, yet they've got homemade bread. And I read these beautiful library books to them because I wanted to read library books. You know, it was kind of like I was going through the motions of 
these are all of these wonderful slow things I want to fill my life with, but I'm going through them as though it's a checklist. It's a productivity type thing. It was the posture of my heart rather than what I was actually doing. And so for some people going to the park with a friend every other day can seem to me like, oh my gosh, I would be so exhausted. I, we like to stay home. We like to play in our yard. We like to, you know, have time to sit in a chair and read a book or nature journal together, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's how you're approaching that and it's your intention behind it. And so as an extrovert for you, that might be part of your slow living. I think slow living is living with intention. It's purposely filling your days with things that are life-giving to you and line up with what your values are instead of just filling your time for the sake of filling your time. Mm -hmm. But also I think a big part of slow living is having margins and stillness. Mm -hmm. And so if you're finding that you're rushing around doing things and you're not having that like cushion, that white space. I mean, in decor, people talk about white space all the time. We need that same white space in our lives and in our schedules. Otherwise we don't have that time to kind of process and decompress. And that gives meaning to all of the stuff that we're doing, all the stuff we're consuming. I kind of have this problem with speed reading things. And my husband and I joke because we'll read the same book and be like, you know, that part where, and I'm like, no, no. Because I read the book in two days and he read it in two weeks, you know, and he's yeah. actually slowing down and he takes time. He'll reread a sentence where I'm like, I'm going to read this book. You know, I'm like, I devour things. I'm consuming. I'm still consuming. I might not be buying something or eating something. I'm consuming information. I'm consuming this book and I'm not giving myself that white space to actually sit, process it. You know, he'll close the book and he'll just sit there and I'll just yeah. look out the window and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, he's like, I'm just thinking about what I just read. And I'm like, Wow. I would like to do that. That sounds wonderful. And so I think slow living is kind of this weird thing. It's kind of like minimalism. People have this picture when they hear the word minimalism, they think, okay, blank walls, not a lot of stuff like, you know, no clothes, nothing in their living rooms, you know, except one couch. And I think minimalism is more, it's a mindset. And I think slow living is the same way. Slow living is going to look different for different people, but I think it's all about that intention And does it align with what is important with you? And most people, I think, would be embarrassed to admit this, but I think most people don't actually take the time to sit and think about what is important to them, especially once you have children. And once you have a family, your kids go to school, they're with other people, you know, eight to 10 hours a day, and you're going through your, you know, uh, kind of rigmarole of I go to work or whatever I do, whatever it is that, you know, you fill your days with, and you're not thinking, whoa, is this actually important to me? We're just doing it because that's what we do. And that kind of goes back to that whole questioning personality that my husband and I have um, of just getting sucked into something just because you get swept away into it. And I think the biggest antidote to that is just slowing down in terms of stepping back. Mm-hmm. and it's breathing and it's kind of like you're in that jet stream or that current and you just kind of have to remove yourself from it so you can just slow down enough and be on like the lazy river just kind of like I'm just going to ponder this I'm going to think about this and I think that in our society with technology the way that it is we probably only when we shower is the only time that we're not we don't have input and I think that's why so many people get such good ideas in the shower because it's the only time that we're not like being bombarded with 
good things. I mean, you can be reading something good. You could be whatever it is, but it's still your brain needs that white space to process. And so I think slow living thing, that's a big part of it that people miss is what I missed for years because my life looked like the way that I envisioned slow living to look, I was doing the things that I envisioned myself to do living slowly, but it didn't feel slow. I still felt anxious and kind of at the end of the day, feeling like there wasn't enough time. And I think we, as a society have it backwards, when you feel like you don't have enough time, we're trying to be more efficient and do more and less time instead of doing less so that you feel like you have more time, but then we have to choose what those important things are. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a really hard thing. And I think especially when you have small children, they consume so much of your attention and so much of your time that sometimes it can feel like you want to squeeze everything in that you want to do in such these little tiny pockets of time. And everybody just ends up feeling rushed and hurried. I read somewhere, the best way to live slowly is just to move slowly. That's so hard for us because there's such a negative connotation with slow, with simple. I mean, think about when you just hear the words, try to think back like five years before the slow living and simple living movement kind of gained traction and got became this like aesthetically pleasing thing. When you heard the word slow or simple, you were kind of like, ugh, that negative connotation is associated with those words. Whereas now I feel like it's kind of been glossed up a little bit by Instagram and, and all of that, which I love, but also it kind of is like, well, if, if I don't have all neutrals on my home, then I don't fit this perception of what living slowly is. Well, my kids really like gymnastics class and we really like going to the park with my friends and that doesn't fit in with slow living, but I think it can, if that fits with your family values and if you are having that breathing space. So just to encourage you, if you like to get out of the house, that's okay, but I think it also comes back to, are you having that time to take a breath and not always be going, 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 I think is, is what it really comes down to is your time filled with things that actually matter to you. Yes, that is it. It's not scheduling so many things back to back to back, but I think the whole idea of rushing from thing to thing. If I can't keep from just like yelling or come on, let's go. We're going to be late. And so often that's something that I'm saying, we're going to be late. We have to go. Come on, let's move. Let's move. And it's like, maybe we shouldn't have booked that. Maybe mom shouldn't have booked this many things back to back so that we do have that breathing space. I want to give myself the margin to say, we can make this experience actually turn into something else because we have the freedom that we haven't booked ourselves, overscheduled ourselves. But yeah, I think for someone like me, I was at home for three days this weekend. It was freezing. My husband was out of town and it was extremely difficult. And I usually am someone that likes to go outside even when it's cold, but I'm just sick of winter. And I found it so hard to be at home and I felt more angry than normal. I felt like I just needed people. And I don't know. I think that's something that I personally have to work through because what you're saying sounds lovely. And I remember during COVID when everyone was at home and we didn't know what was going on. We had a great few months there of just being our family of five. And I think it's because there was no other expectations that I had to be doing. Yes. Well, I was just going to say, we, as a society are sold this idea And not just sold this idea because it's a reality that there always is a better option. And and it's paralyzing because you are always thinking 
man, I do kind of just want to stay at home this morning and kind of lay in the backyard or do whatever. It's a really nice day. Okay. But we should probably go for a hike because it's so nice outside or, well, I did talk to so-and-so this week and we hadn't hung out in a while. And she's mentioned maybe when I go to the museum, you know, and it, we're constantly weighing all these options against each other. And like what you were saying about going somewhere with a friend, going to the museum, if in your head, you're thinking, but we're also going to be doing this thing afterwards. You're not actually going to be there. You're not going to be enjoying that because you're thinking, oh, okay, well, well, let's just go through this one a little bit faster because I want to see this one and we have to be home by 12 because we have this thing we have to go do or, you know, whatever it is. Or if you're walking outside, you're like, man, it's so nice outside. Yeah. Let's just go get a sandwich from this place and lay in the park and eat. But if you're always thinking about, oh, what I also wanted to do this later today. And, and this is something I am the worst about literally the worst. I have an internal to-do list running in my head. I don't share this with anyone else. (laughs) Mind you, this is totally internalized. I'll, I'll have this posture of hurry, just rushing through things. And my husband's like, what are you, why, why are you trying to get through this so quick? Like, what do you, I don't even realize I'm doing it, but it'll register. Well, I was also thinking that later today, I wanted to test three recipes for the cookbook. And Mm. also I wanted to paint with the kids. And I have this running to-do list in my head. They're beautiful, lovely things to do, but it's making it so that I'm not actually in the moment that I'm in. Cause I'm always thinking, oh, should I be doing something else? Or, oh, I need to rush through this so I can do that other thing that I potentially maybe wanted to do, but then I'm just kind of ruining the whole day in the process. And so, like I said, I think so much of it is just, it's a mind game. And we are always thinking that we should be doing something else. So then we'll do that other thing. And then we're thinking, man, we probably should have done the thing that we were doing in the first place. And I think women are more prone to this. I don't know if it's just our more for created to be more multitasking, not that multitasking is impossible. We're not computers, we're humans, but I think that we're always thinking of multiple things. We're thinking, where's my child? what's for dinner. You know, these are things that are constant. We need to feed our family. We need to take care of our family. We need to be watching them, but also like, okay, it's going to be cold tomorrow. Do my kids have enough clothes that fit them that they'll be able to wear? Or, you know, when the weather's changing, well, it's going to be warm. Okay. Maggie grew out of all of her dresses. So I need to go on H and M and buy her some dresses. And we're always thinking about these things and it makes it really difficult, really, really difficult to enjoy being where we're at. And so much of that is just quieting the noise and just being still. And I have this new thing that I do. I call it tea meditation because I love tea. Our family, we love tea. We drink tea in the mornings, right? When we wake up and we usually have a little snack and before we have a big breakfast. And then we'll also do afternoon tea when the kids get up from quiet time. And it's usually when my husband and I have work time. And that's the thing we homeschool and my husband and I work from home. So we are like, people are like, wow, that sounds so relaxing and calming. It's chaos, which I'm sure you can understand. Yeah. We have five people's needs and schedules that we're trying to balance at all times while also trying to live slowly and be kind to one another. And so there's constant checking in. Okay. What is it that you wanted to do today? Okay. This is what I wanted to do today. So everyone's not on their own trajectory. And so tea time is one thing afternoon tea time we've instituted where we all stop and we sit down together and we have a cup of tea and usually I'll have like cookies or I don't know, whatever thing I'm baking or making at that time. Um, and we'll just kind of sit down and just stop and sit there. It's like, like embarrassingly hard for me for the first five minutes. I'm like tapping my feet, like, okay, I should be going to, okay. I want to make sure I get dinner started on time. It's really hard for me to sit still. And I think most people take that to be, well, I'm just like a mover. I just like to be up and moving, 
but I think it's our nervous systems, our literal inner workings of our body is like, I'm freaking out right now because you're actually being still. And so once you can get over that internal freak out of I'm sitting still, but I'm like a shark, I need to keep moving. Otherwise I die. (laughs) I think once you actually sit still, it's almost, it's being on vacation. I mean, it seriously is bliss and people laugh when I say it, but in the mornings that I've been trying to do, which we have a one-year-old who co-sleeps with us. And so it's been really hard for me to give up my early mornings, but I can't get out of bed without waking her up. So I've been sleeping in later than I normally like to. And when I'm up, the whole house is up. And that's really hard for me as an introvert because that used to be my time to like set my mind right for the day, get my alone time, fill my cup before I'm pouring out all day. And so it's been definitely a lesson in patience and also a lesson in being happy where you are instead of, you know, based on what your circumstances are. And so it's a very short season, but we're in that right now. So in the mornings, mommy makes her cup of tea and I sit in the chair and I stare out the window and until my tea is gone, like, don't look at me, (laughs) you know, I'm like, I'm just going to sit here. I'm not trying to look at my phone. I'm not trying to read a book at the same time. I'm literally drinking my cup of tea, staring out the window. And this was really hard for me to do because I'm thinking nobody's talking to me right now. I should be like writing in my journal. I should be planning my day. I should be reading a book or this stack of library books that I have for myself that I never actually get around to reading that are just staring at me, judging me, making me feel like I don't read enough or whatever it is. And that was really hard for me to start doing. But then I was like, I feel, I feel like I just left a spa. Like I felt so relaxed afterwards. And it was almost like my brain had time to untangle all the knots in there which I think moms are walking around with knots in their brain constantly. Cause not only are we consuming podcasts, we're looking at social media all day or thinking about our schedules, but we have these little children talking at our faces all day long who are constantly needing things and have something important to say. And you feel bad because you're like, you're this wonderful little human being. And I know you're so excited to tell me this, but also can you please just stop talking and be quiet for just one second so I can just process what's going through my mind right now. And that just 20 minutes of drinking tea and looking out a window first thing in the morning, I was like, I feel like more people need to be doing this. And I'm not a meditate. Like I can't just sit there and just like meditate. So the tea helps me just to be still It's something that occupies me without occupying me. But, and I look forward to it too. It doesn't feel like punishment because I get this wonderful, delicious tea. It's just that stillness that so many people are missing. That is kind of that missing puzzle piece to that slow lifestyle because it doesn't look a certain way and it's not, it's not flashy. It's kind of like, Oh, you just sit still and look out a window. I'm like, yes, I just watched the birds hopping in the trees. Just let thoughts wash through my brain, you know? And it's very relaxing. Yeah. Especially when it starts to get warm out in the spring, my family doesn't typically wake up. So I can get that time between six and seven where the sun is actually somewhat up and I can just observe and be quiet. And I don't know. I feel like I'm constantly, I'm that person that you're describing. I love to learn. I love to take in information. And my husband has challenged me to say, okay, what are you going to do with this information now? How are you going to start applying this information? And I might be able to do that personally with fitness or food or health in those regards, but applying it to three other little ones that I'm in charge of has been really difficult. And I think that I'm constantly trying to change things or to make them better or to adapt them. And it's like, no, what, what is working and what should you enjoy that you've cultivated? At this Absolutely. Point? And I think that is so common because we, as a society, as a culture, are a self-help fix it up 
you are broken. This Mm -hmm. thing needs changed kind of society. It's like constantly self-improvement, self-improvement, self-improvement all the time. It's exhausting. And sometimes we forget to just sit and be like, what's good about me? And what can I, I read this thing one time because since we homeschool, I read a lot of homeschooling books and one of the books I read, I can't remember who wrote this. I wish I could quote them, but it said most people, if their kid is really good at tennis and really bad at math, they'll hire a math tutor. Mm. What if we hired a tennis tutor? Yeah. And I think as adults, we don't, not only are we not giving that to our children to say, Hey, it's okay for mediocre at this thing. Like Mm -hmm. you really like tennis and you're really good at it. Let's get even better at that. Instead of saying, well, your math scores are falling. So let's make sure you get your math, your Excel, it's not going to happen. And it's just frustrating. Yeah trying to fix these parts of ourselves that don't meet up to this excellent standard, that's unrealistic. And I think we're kind of, we've burnt ourselves out as an entire country, an entire culture. We're so burnt out because we're constantly trying to meet these unrealistic expectations for these parts of ourselves that were never meant to excel. Yeah. I definitely think I call myself a Jane of all trades because I don't like to excel in one area. I like to learn about a diverse range of things and I'll learn about something for a while and I'll read like everything I can on it. And then I kind of get sick of it and I move on to something else because I feel like I've learned enough about that to apply. Also, I'm not a big detail person. I don't like to get in the weeds on things too much because I don't know, we can't be that precise about things. So it doesn't really make sense for me, but I'm constantly trying to consume, consume, consume all the information I can on it. And then I burn myself out on it. And then I'm kind of like, I'm kind of sick of learning about that. I'll just go on to this thing. And I think as a culture, as a generation, we are exhausted because Mm -hmm. we're constantly trying to improve ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it is really difficult to us to even look at ourselves and be like, you know what I'm really good at? I'm really good at this. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. It's hard even to look at our children, I think, can do that because we're projecting that onto them, that they need to be these well-rounded people. Mm -hmm. But I think we have this vision of well-roundedness, that means you're really, really good at everything, Mm -hmm. but that's not what well-rounded is. It usually means you're really good at one or two things and you're pretty good at some other stuff. And then there's other stuff that you just don't worry about because you're good at everything. And so we are reading all of these self-improvement books and trying to improve everything because that's what you're supposed to be good at. And then I think deep down, we're kind of like, I don't really care if I'm good at that or not, but I'm going to try because that's what I'm supposed to be good at then we just get tired. And I think people think they're lazy or unmotivated when really they're just tired. Yeah. Yeah. We are a generation of people beating themselves up for character flaws that aren't flaws at all. It's just that we haven't accepted our limitations as human beings. Yeah. I think there's such a thing as doing too much digging and trying to rebuild things that maybe are just okay. And again, yeah. Focusing on the things that you're good at, because I always say, I'm pretty good at a lot of things in, in regards to creativity, in regards to creativity, but I'm not a master of anything. I have a photography business. I'm not the best in Columbus, but I'm a little bit better than maybe your mom. So yeah, exactly. Me. And with the podcast, it's successful. I don't have the best sound quality because I'm just in my dining room right now. And, but that's okay. Cause I'm like, I'm doing what I can. So let's, let's let those things be, and then be confident in them. And I, you're right. We want to constantly try and improve, improve. And it just seems exhausting. And, and I don't think that's selfish or arrogant to focus on the things that we're good at either. I I do think it's a big misconception. And I think, you know, self-love and being gentle with yourself, like it's starting to gain some traction. Also, I think it can be kind of confusing because 
it has to be individual. That I know I could do better. And so I should be doing better. Whereas for somebody else, they really are doing the best they can in that particular thing, or they don't have the capacity, but just that feeling of, okay, there are seasons of life when uh, it's okay to order takeout pizza three days a week, but then there are seasons of life when I know I could be doing better. And so I should try not to do that. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I feel like that's a slippery slope for a lot of people. And they're thinking, well, we'll just feed our kids junk food. So we turned out fine. It's going to be fine. But can you do better right now? Can you do better? If you genuinely are looking at your life and you're like, I just don't have the capacity right now. Mm -hmm. I would say first, okay, maybe you should be a little less busy. (laughs) If you don't have time to be making, you know, if you're eating out every single day kind of thing then something needs to change in your life because food is one of those foundational things. If you don't have time to make your family at least one homemade meal a day, then you are too busy and something does need to change unless you don't value that, then that's fine. Don't change. But then there are seasons of life when people are like, well, I just can't, I just can't. And I think, well, maybe we could be doing better, but that's, it's an individual thing and you have to answer it for yourself. Um, And that kind of goes back to that slow living thing. It's this hard thing because people want black and white answers and they just don't exist. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com where you can find the entire podcast archive as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.